Good morning. I'm fine. It's good to see you, and sorry I missed your call. <laughs> to see if you're paying attention. We got a hundred of these books uh, from Glenn Bartell about why am I not here. There's three left. I'm going to put them down here when church is over, if you'd like one. You can come get them. They cost us 10 bucks and some change, and whatever offering you want to give is fine. If you don't have anything, that's fine, too. And uh, I want to strongly encourage you to be here a week from Wednesday when Glenn Barteau was with us. He's been a dear friend of mine for many years. We kind of had lost touch and got back together again for him to come to this event, and I can't wait to see him. He is a powerhouse. He is a, a dynamic man of God, and you will be blessed, I promise you. Um, how many of you know the devil always tries to turn things toward negative, even good things? And if you've had issues in your life that you've prayed for, it's not that that's the night God's going to move. He can do it anytime. But there is something about a focused effort where all of our attention is linked together and our focus is in that direction. And uh, the, the devil will give you all kind of bad thoughts ahead of time, like it won't be any different, doesn't matter why I go, what happens if. And uh, you heard in the comments just a minute ago, if it doesn't happen the way we think at any point in time, the, the right approach for every child of God is to keep fighting Never give up. Trust in God. He is with you. He will prevail. Um, I want to ex express my appreciation to all of our senior adults who are here today. That would be people who are 62 and older. There's a reason for that. <laughs> my birthday's next month and I'm not there yet, so... 62 and older. No, actually, I don't know what our age is. If you feel like you want a free meal, come meet with us when church is over. We'll, we'll have enough. So if, if you look too young, we may check your ID. But, but uh, I appreciate all of our senior adults. I'll mention something a little bit later on about them. But thank God for people who have been faithful in serving the Lord and who are still serving today. By the way, in the Bible, there is never a checkout moment in life. There is always a call and, and things are going to change, but there's a call to be intense and intentional in serving God, no matter what age you are. And there's value that everybody brings to the equation. So thank God for our senior adults. Would you help me one more time to express your appreciation to them? Well, today is the last Sunday of winter. Spring comes tomorrow. Next week, I will wear my spring sweater vest. Because it's going to be a new season. And I'm excited. But how many of you are glad that winter is coming to a close? If, if, if you wish you would hang around, just go up north somewhere and enjoy yourself. But I'm glad spring is on the way. We're going through a six-week series on the last week of Christ. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at the triumphal entry. And what we learned from that is the crowd's not always right, but Jesus always prevails. Last week, we looked at cleansing the temple. 
And we looked at the fact that, that all of man's efforts fall woefully short. But again, Jesus is the provision that secures our salvation. Today we're going to look at another topic that, that probably is not preached about a lot. And it's probably misunderstood when you look at Scripture, one of the real keys that you have to do, and it's, it's a little bit of a challenge starting out especially, the more you do it, the better you get at it, but you need to go back and understand the culture of, the, of that time. You need to go back and understand why things happened the way they did, and the worst thing that we can do is take the past and bring it up into our culture today and try to make it fit when it doesn't fit. Now, that doesn't mean the scripture doesn't work, but understand it in its original context, then bring the principles forward. So today, I want to talk about what in the, the overall church world is referred to as Monday Thursday. So we're going to head toward the last part of the week, and it gets very intense. Uh, the next three weeks, we'll look at the Lord's Supper, crucifixion, and resurrection today. We're going to look at the passage in John chapter 13 where Jesus washed the feet of the disciples. When you look at John chapter 1 through 12 covers three years. That's how long that section uh, goes for. But when you look at chapters 13 through 19, it covers less than 24 hours. John gives the most specific detail of that last day before the crucifixion. In this section that we have here in chapter 13, especially 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, those chapters, there, this is a section of final things, a final meal. And we'll celebrate that again next week called the Lord's Supper. And I'll probably do a little bit of background teaching on what the original Passover was all about. Then we see in chapter 14, he gives uh, final instructions. In chapter 17, the final prayer. And really, if you want to know the Lord's Prayer, read John 17. That's the Lord's Prayer. And one of the main points of the Lord's Prayer is for unity in the church. Then you see the final moments of his life. One of the last things Jesus did was an object lesson on the right attitude towards serving. Now, as I mentioned a while ago, this lesson is often obscured because our culture, foot washing is not necessary. Now, I've been involved in a few foot washing services. I think they can be incredibly good and healthy and, and uh, uh, beneficial but the reality is, in our culture, for most of you, if you're honest, if you would have heard today that we're going to wash everybody's feet in the room, you would have been going to another church this morning. Because <laughs> it's weird, it's odd, it's strange for us. Now, here's what I want to say to you. Don't let the symbol cause you to miss the substance of what Jesus is talking about. In that day and time... Washing of feet was a very normal practice. I've all week long, I've just tried to just scour my thoughts to see if I could come up with a good illustration, and I can't. But probably the closest I could get would be this. Jesus washing the disciples' feet, and it falls woefully short, but you'll get the concept, I think. It would be like if I had 
driven my car when I was a younger person back home to mom and dad's. I'm out on my own, and I come home, and, and my dad says to me, uh, son, we've been talking about your car. Have you changed the oil lately? And I'm like, no, I'm a little bit overdue. I'm going to get that next week. And well, are you keeping your car clean? Well, no, I, I mean to, and later on I will. But And this is like while we're eating Easter lunch, okay? And my dad just gets up from the table, takes his coat off, and he goes outside, and he washes my car, and he vacuums it out, and he's got the equipment there, and he runs the car up where he can get underneath it, and he changes the oil, then he comes back inside. Now, how many of you know, and that's such, a, that's such a, a weak example because foot washing literally happened on a daily basis. And here's the reason why. There's a little, I was talking with Grant about this yesterday. Some people like to say, well, back then people had stinky feet. Maybe they did. You know, feet tend to stink anyway, but I think they probably stink more today when they're encapsulated by your shoe than when they were dirtier back then. If you've been wearing your shoes for for out, anybody ever been like on a plane or a bus or someplace like that and the person next to you or in front of you or behind you takes their shoe off and it's rather obvious from the odor that shoe hasn't been off in a long time. But there was a common practice of washing feet it was considered basic hospitality to not wash feet. It was considered to be a little bit rude. Almost every home when you went in, there was a basin and a towel that was there. And typically in this foot washing moment, it would be the lowest servant in the house. Sometimes it would be a child to a parent or maybe in that culture, maybe a wife or a husband as an expression of adoration and devotion. So it could be done as like a sense of love, but typically it was done as just this required thing that had to happen. Now, the part of the purpose was to, uh, uh, to clean your feet because roads were dusty. You, you got to remember back then, no pavement, nothing like that, open, you know, shoes, sandals, and so dirt's getting on your feet. So it was to wash it and cleanse it. But secondly, it was also to refresh the person as they come into your house. Um, so we see the story here of what's going on, and it may not make a lot of sense to us on the surface, but I think as we look at it, it'll make more sense to you. The bigger lesson that Jesus teaches here is recognizing the responsibility and blessing of service. So three things for you today. Number one, this. Love is the motivation of Jesus. Look in your notes or follow along with me. John 13, chapter 1, down through verse 3. It was just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Now, here's the issue. The disciples, as you go back and look at the other Gospels, by the way, the three Gospels, the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are often called the synoptic Gospels. The word synoptic means synthesized or, or of similar manner. 
and they kind of approach the gospel story more consistently, not exactly the same word, but more of a consistent pattern, then John is kind of viewed as this whole different animal, again, because he takes five chapters to talk about one day. None of the rest of them do that. So there, there are some differences. And this story, you know, I told you a couple of weeks ago, there's, there's about 10 stories that, that are in all of the Gospels. This is only in the book of John. As you compare the other Gospels, you see what's going on, though, in this sequence of time right here, probably right before Jesus washes the disciples' feet, they are having an argument. They are arguing about who is the greatest. And James and John, they're so crafty that I don't know if mama did it on her own or if they encouraged her to do it exactly how it happened. But the, the mother of James and John, which probably is a sister of Mary, possibly sister of Mary. Anyway, the, the mother of James and John go to Jesus and they say, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, can you let my son set your left and right? Different, by, different one of the, the, the gospel writers put a little different story there, but there's all this contention going on about who gets to have the best perks as a follower of Jesus. And they're all concerned about their rights and their privileges kind of sounds like today they all want to make sure that they get what is owed them and they have no awareness of what's happening on the bigger scheme of life what's about to happen jesus is about to go to the cross we're less than 24 hours away from the crucifixion and they're arguing over who gets to be best I want it done my way. I want to be recognized. I want to be rewarded. I want to be acknowledged. And Jesus, in that moment, recognizes they're going down this dangerous path of arrogance and rivalry, and he uses this opportunity to bring correction, which is humility and teamwork. Can I encourage you to be very sensitive of God's voice in your life, the word of God speaking to you, and can I encourage you to do what Proverbs says that wise people do is they embrace, they love correction. Let me help you out here. When correction comes your way in life, whatever form, whatever way, what that basically means is this, something is not right and it's being made to be right. When that correction comes, wise people are thankful. Most people are resentful. Well, I'm better, I'm okay, leave me alone, don't mess with me. How many of you know that we all need to be messed with a little bit? Correction is a good thing. Correction is a good thing. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Correction is a good thing. God does it because of his love. Jesus was motivated, despite their failure to comprehend, what, what's going to happen in this storyline. Well, there's 12. One's going to betray him. One's going to deny him. And the rest are all going to abandon him. And in that moment, he 
served them. He served them because he knew what was unfolding. He knew what the future was going to have. He knew what was coming down the path. He knew that before the night ended, he would be in Gethsemane where he would labor in prayer before the Father. He knew the others would fall asleep while he was praying. He knew that Judas was going to betray him. The Romans were going to arrest him. He knew that everything was coming to this difficult conclusion. And in the midst of that, he served his followers. Most of us would have probably been having a panic attack. Now, I don't say that flippantly. I say that honestly. Most of us would have been thinking, what am I going to do? I need someone to help me. But Jesus said, I'm going to serve you. Jesus was able to do this because he knew his greatness. And his greatness caused him to give better treatment to others instead of expecting it for himself. Jesus, look at, look at what the word says here. Jesus knew that the Father had given him power and that he had come from God and he was returning to God. And because of what he knew, he was able to love. Love is displayed secondly by intentional acts of kindness. There's a, a popular thing goes on today, and it's not bad at all. It, it, it's fine. It's not the best. There's something better. The popular thing that's, that people do today that's supposed to be an incredible act of selflessness is called a random act of kindness. And I would encourage you to look at doing that periodically. The problem is is that some people will do that, but they'll never do an intentional act of kindness. They'll never look for the people who are near them who could use their assistance, but they think somehow buying a sweet tea for the car behind them makes them hero of the day. I don't mean to be harsh. And again, if you feel compelled to do that, do it. It's, it there's nothing wrong with that. It's not a bad thing, but it's probably not something to be greatly celebrated. It's very minimal at best. Jesus did not throw out some random act of kindness, and, and for whoever happens to be nearby, here's a 20-shekel coin. He did not do that. What did he do? With strategy, with intention, with focus, with dedication, with determination, he did what needed to be done. He says he got up from the mill, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. Now, have any of you ever been in a situation like that where you see somebody moving, and you're not really sure what they're doing exactly, but you're a little bit uncomfortable because of it? Not that you think they're going to do anything bad to you, but it's just like, oh, wait, 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 what's he doing? What's going on here? And I can just see their minds whirling and wondering what, what's he, and when he takes his jacket off. Can you imagine what they're thinking at that moment in time? What is Jesus doing? Then he grabs the towel, and he gets the water and pours it into a basin, and he starts washing their feet. This is the work of the lowest servant. 
Not the master. Matter of fact, Peter kind of rebukes him for that in a minute. You got to love Peter. Sometimes the only time he ever took his foot out of his mouth was to change feet. (laughs) He pours water in the basin and he begins to dry their feet with the towel. And he comes to Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Now, I'll, I'll quickly tell and acknowledge I'm not, I'm not a Greek uh, student. I'm not a master of the Greek, but I do read commentaries that tell me the Greek words and the meanings are there. And I wish that phrase could be put more in a way that we understand because Peter does this on a couple of occasions. And if we read it in Greek, we would see it so much quicker and easier. Peter kind of stammers and stutters all over himself. It's like, well, well, Lord, me, you wait, hold on, wait. What, you doing that? That's kind of what it would come out for our, our vernacular. It's like he, he doesn't even know what to say, but he's overwhelmed. He's like, wait, Lord, you serve, wait, me what? Hold on. He's, he's just overwhelmed by this moment. The, the NLT, I think, or the NIV I'm reading from says, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not know what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash your feet, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my heart and my head as well. Now, different scholars read that differently, and I'm not going to get too harsh on, um, on Peter here. But some of them said, as they read this and they're studying it, they said, What Peter just did is he compounded his mistake. I will give you a word I think it's probably good for all of us. The Lord doesn't need our help in trying to figure out what to do. Doesn't need our direction. Doesn't require our input. He does ask for our faith. And so sometimes, you know, we get together and we're like, here's what we need to do. We need to pray and tell the Lord to do this. And we do it with great sincerity, but, but I can imagine when that happens, Jesus is looking down at us, and, and he's probably like, oh, there's another Peter trying to tell me what to do again. Lord, you can't wash my feet. Well, if you can't wash feet, then you, then I, you have no, nothing to do with me. I have, we're not even connected. Okay, not only my feet, but my hands and my head, too. Please wash me all over. And Jesus goes on to to say, and there's a physical and a spiritual side to this. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. And he was talking about Judas at that point. He knew who would betray him, and not everyone was clean. When he finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Now, the story that's given here is a physical demonstration of a spiritual reality. It really coordinates and connects well with Philippians chapter 2. Actually, beginning in verse 5, but verse 2, 3, and 4 were so good, I threw them in the notes anyway for you. Paul says to the church at Philippi, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Now listen, we are not ever nor should we ever seek to be clones of one another. We're unique. God made us that way. If we were all identical, it wouldn't be the body of Christ. It would be the eyeball of Jesus. We all have different parts, different places. 
and we fit in together, but our differences should make us stronger, not weaker. So that means we have tolerance toward other people who don't think exactly identical to the way that I think. When I say this, people always laugh as if somehow I'm this dictator-type person who has this the royal diadem, and I just stretch it out, and, and, and you do what I tell you to. We don't do everything in church the way I want it done. That's the truth. So why do you think we're going to do it the way you want it done on every level? You're not getting too happy right now. Because, see, here's the problem. When every person seeks their own way first, we have continual conflict. Because when I start fighting for my position, I can get very strong. And so can you. When we have an opinion about something, most of the time, that opinion develops quite a bit of strength. Can I get a witness? Nobody wants to admit this, but anybody maybe had an argument on the way to church today. You had to come into church. It took three songs. You had to kind of get your heart in the right spot to receive from the Lord. Because our opinions are strong. But look at what Paul says here. Make me happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, working together with one mind. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Think of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own, only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. We don't have to, to, to say that we're going to agree on every issue of life, but what helps us to agree wholeheartedly is when we agree on the big things. And we let the little things stay little. We believe that the Bible is God's word. We believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God who died on the cross. And through faith in him, we are saved. We believe in the fundamental truths of the word of God. And because of that, areas where we maybe have different opinions, we do not let them get bigger than the big things. Agree together, love together, work together. Don't be selfish. Verse 5, here's the story of, the, the, of, the, of connecting back to washing of feet. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privilege. Jesus rose up from supper and laid aside his outer garment. He took the humble position of a slave. He girded himself with a towel. He was born as a human. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. He poured water into the basin and washed their feet. And after he washed their feet, he got back up and sat down. It's a picture of what's going to happen just a few hours later. But Jesus shows us this through this action that he often shows up in the ordinary moments of life and he makes them memorable. How many of you ever had Jesus show up at a time when it didn't seem like there was anything special about it until he showed up? Then it became a day to remember, a night to remember when Jesus showed up. He shows up in the ordinary moments and he makes them memorable. Now, as you read about 
And there's a whole sermon to go, and there's a couple of sermons even. But as we read about water in Scripture, it's very clear that water is a symbol of cleansing. And we've been washed in the water. We've been washed in the Word, washed in the blood. All of these things have a similar connection to us that we are cleansed by these things. And notice that Jesus did this cleansing voluntarily. He did the work of a slave. His actions were calculated, deliberate, and strategic. He was doing something that would change the trajectory of the church. Think of what possibly could have happened had he let them go on with their little argument about who's the best and who gets first place and who, you know, who's going to be the last in line and who's going to do whatever. Think of how that would have looked. Well, it probably would have looked like some churches look today where everybody's vying to get their thing done and their, their, their recognition You know, one of the, the, the trends of the, of the day is churches are coming up with new names. Some of them are okay. Some of them aren't that great, just to be honest. Um, if I were going to name a church, I got two names I'd probably look at. One would be called Servants Church. I just think that'd be a great name. You'd have to do it, though, not just say it. And the second one a friend of mine gave me the other day is, would be called Everyday Church. That it's the church that's doing it every day, not just on Sunday. Jesus shows us the importance here by his action. Notice this, when he did it, what we read in Scripture, to the best of our ability to understand, no one thanked him. How many of you have ever done something to help somebody? And, and we've got kind of a joke around the office that we say when somebody doesn't do that, we say, oh, and especially when, the, have any of you ever helped someone to only have them complain about the job you did. Like as a volunteer, you're helping them. And they're, oh, you know, we should have done more. Well, so our thing around here is we say, I think the words you're looking for were thank you, maybe. Nobody said thank you to Jesus. Here, that, that's crazy. Here's the one that's more weird to me. Nobody offered to help. If I'm the first guy in line and he's washing my feet and there's 11 more, I'm going to be here. Let me have the towel. I'll do the drying. Can I get a witness? And they're just all sitting there going, what's he doing? This is uncomfortable. This is Jesus. He shouldn't be doing that. But not one of them had just the, the, the thought or the idea, maybe I could help. Maybe I could take over. Here, Jesus, let me do that. I don't know what would have happened had one of them said that. I don't know what his plan would have been, but no one offered help. No one even really acknowledged what happened at the moment. They just all sit there kind of dumbfounded and lost, and he finishes washing their feet, and they're all just kind of sitting there like, you know, they were like this on a few occasions. They had no idea what to say. So I give them credit for this. When you don't know what to say, silence is a good option. Peter recoils and and says, no, Lord, no, can't do that. But Jesus looks past the moment, and he sees the end result. What's the end result? That these guys would take the gospel, and they would start it in Jerusalem, and the church would be established. And then what the enemy meant for evil, God used for good. Persecution comes to the church, and they have to scatter. How many of you know that when you scatter a bunch of true believers, you just made the church bigger? 
Jesus saw all of that and he looked past it. And the writer of Hebrews says that he endured the cross for the joy that was in front of him. He looked past the difficulty and he saw the accomplishment. Can I tell you that we need to have that in our lives? We got to look past the moment and we got to see where God is taking us and we got to trust in him. Now, Jesus says this, that he did all of this so that we would also do the same thing. And I would tell you today that love is the expected behavior of Christ's followers. You can't get away from that theme. Paul says it this way. If you're able to do miracles and speak with tongues of men and angels, and you can just do all kind of incredible things because of your faith, but you don't have love, you are a zero. Not my words, Paul's. Love is the expected behavior of Christ's followers. Jesus said that love will be the identifying mark of the church. And you, they will know you're my disciples because of how powerful you are in your faith. That's not what he said. We need to have powerful faith. I'm not putting that down, but I'm elevating the one that's most important, which is love. Love is the expected behavior of Christ's followers. Jesus says, you understand what I've done for you? He asked them, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Now, that's where some churches see this as an ordinance of the church. And they have different ways of doing it. Some do it annually. Some do it every time they have communion or different ways, I guess, that they actually wash each other's feet. And, and there's certainly nothing wrong with that. But I think we're missing the bigger picture if we focus on that. The bigger picture is this, serve one another. Here's what that means. When you see someone struggling in their faith, when you see someone having a hard time, you don't gossip about them. You pray for them. You go and speak an encouraging word to them. You believe that God is still in control and he's going to redeem the situation. Come on, somebody help me out. This is good right now. A lot of churches have been thwarted in their efforts to reach their community because they don't practice this. I'm convinced that when a church, number one, truly worships God, and, and here's what I mean by that word, vibrantly worships God. Vibrant worship doesn't even require music. And vibrant worship responds regardless of what kind of music it is. Because it's not about that, it's about Him. When a church has vibrant worship and genuine love for each other, I am firmly convinced it will be so attractive to people who are longing for acceptance and love. When word gets out in the community, people want to come and find out what that's all about. Jesus said, serve one another. He did this as an example for all of us he commands us to look for ways to serve others. When you, uh, 
When you look at the word serve, it, 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 it's from the same root word the word deacon is, diakonos, which means to be a servant. And when you look up the, 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 the foundation of that word, it, here's what it means. It's kind of interesting. It means to kick up dust. Now, now not in a bad way. But it means a person who is serving with such intensity, they're always on the move, and there's just a cloud of dust following them as they serve people. Pastor Michael talked about filling out the serve card, and you guys do a great job. But I have seen individuals, and I've seen even congregations of people, that to get somebody to volunteer to do something, you had to get out a shoehorn and a bottle of olive oil, to pour on it and to squeeze it and, and, and you, you almost have to trick them sometimes do you know as followers of Jesus Christ we should start off every morning God, and say God give me wisdom give me insight today where I can serve where I can make a difference and I'm, I'm going to put a little twist on this in just a second but, but we should be looking for ways to serve we should be known as loyal faithful caring servants of God. Forget all the titles of, of accolades of spiritual accomplishment. We are loyal, faithful, caring servants of God. And I want to give a shout out this morning for all of our senior adults who have been doing this for decades. And I would challenge you with this thought. We still need you. It's not time to stop. It's time to encourage. It's time to lift up. It's time to pray. It's time to invest in a younger generation and help them become the people God wants them to be. From a spirit of love, from a spirit of grace, from a spirit of faith. You know, sometimes this word is it's not a spiritual term, but it's a term of life. Sometimes we, we create self-fulfilled prophecies. I don't mean prophecy in the scriptural term. I mean prophecy in the man-made way. You keep telling your kids long enough that they're no good and they'll never, they'll never amount to anything. And guess what? You'll be right one day. But how about we start telling each other, I believe in you. I believe God is working in your life. I believe he has a plan. I believe this week he's going to give you a chance to serve somebody. 1 Peter 4, 7 says, The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Let me back up on that. By the way, this has been the, the word of the church since its inception. Peter wrote this uh, a few years, several years after Christ had ascended to heaven but not that many and he says the end of the world is coming soon it is therefore be earnest and discipline your prayer life more important or most important I'm sorry most important of all continue to show deep love for each other for love covers a multitude of sins cheerfully share, share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts Use them well to serve one another. Find your place and get involved. Matthew 25, 
it's this crazy story. You know it well. Jesus tells it about the end of time. And he talks about how people are going to respond in different ways. And he, and he goes to one group and he, he speaks to them. And uh, he says, good job. I was hungry and you fed me. I was without clothing and you provided clothing. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison. You came to see me. And they say to him, Lord, when? When, when did we do that? And he said, whenever you did it to the least of these, you did it for me. Then he goes to the other group and he says, he says, I, I can't commend you. You failed. I was hungry and you ignored me. I, 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 was, I was alone and you abandoned me. And he goes down the whole same list and they say, Lord, when did that happen? And he said, whenever you did not do it for the least of these, you didn't do it for me. I, I hope you'll hear the thought process here. As a church, we are very committed to being involved in people's lives. But let me help you understand something. The church is not this building church is you and so the best way the church can impact our community is for each one of us to step up in the place we are and do what God puts in front of us now here's the good news for you in case you get lost in the weeds a little bit what that looks like God's word says that he gave pastors to the church for the equipping of the saints. We are all happy to talk with you, to work with you, to, 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 to partner with you, to come with, to get things done. And there are, th there are times that as a corporate group, we're going to do things. But how much more effective, in addition to that, if all of us were taking responsibility for our neighbor, our coworker, our family members? Is this registering? So here's my word to you today. And there's a word I'm adding in at this point. I haven't said this part to now, but serve inconspicuously this week. What do I mean by inconspicuously? Not doing it for anybody to know. The Matthew 25 thing, what did they say when Jesus told them, you've served me, you've helped me, you've fed me? What did they say? when we didn't even know we did that you know why they didn't know they did it because they were doing it all the time so it wasn't a big thing when they did it there are people who like once a year will do something and they'll want to make sure the pictures are taken and there's a press release I need my moment in the sun everybody give me my credit what if we did things so frequently that we just didn't even care if anybody even knew? We're simply doing it because we have been redeemed by Jesus Christ and we're meeting needs because we are his ambassador. 
I feel like this week God's going to give you the ability if you'll open your ears to hear and your eyes to see of opportunities where you can make an investment in someone. I'm not necessarily talking about financially. That may be the case, but it may not be. It may simply be having an ear to listen. By the way, James told us, be quick to listen and slow to speak. Man, we reverse that so frequently. Maybe it's just to speak that word of, I believe in you. How many of, I want you to be honest with me right now. How many of you in your life, there's been a time or two or maybe a hundred where you were going through something just to have someone speak a word of encouragement in your life would have made a huge difference. Raise your hand right now. It's going to be every one of us in the room if we're honest. Jesus takes the common, ordinary events of life and he makes them memorable. What kind of memory can you create for somebody this week? One of the things that we're guilty of today in our society, it's called a humble brag. And I'm certainly not meaning to do that right now. I'm just, I'm trying to give the illustration. One of the most rewarding moments of my life was when I was district youth director in southern Missouri and I was transitioning to be a pastor in West Memphis and I went back and spoke at the youth convention and when it was over I had kids coming up and talking to me I was just there's a line of kids coming up and I go Bruce I never will forget that time that you bought me that coke and we sit down and talked on the front bench and my parents were kind of going through a tough time and they were about to get a divorce, and you talked to me, and it meant so much to me. And i got to be honest with you. I was going, oh, that's awesome. And in my mind, I'm going, I have no clue what you're talking about. They'd come up, and they'd say, you know, I remember you coming out and watching us play basketball, and you were cheering for me by name. you got to realize we had over 2,000 kids that came to camp every summer, over 500 every week for four weeks, and and honestly, I didn't remember a lot of them once they were gone. And, and I'm not saying this in any way to, to, to give credit to me. I'm trying to show you how a little thing can make a big difference. And if they asked me, do you remember that? I would honestly have to tell them, I don't even remember your name or who you are or where you're from. I don't want to burst your bubble, but I'm sorry. I have no recollection. But you know what they remembered? They remembered an adult who they looked up to for some reason, who was the leader of this thing, who was there and watched them and called their name in that moment and said, good shot. God takes the common, ordinary things that we do, and he makes them memorable. When we serve with a pure heart, Will you bow your heads with me right now? There's two questions this morning I want to ask. Number one is this. Maybe you're here today and you need in your life the cleansing. You need in your life the, the, to be served by the Lord today. An old hymn asked the question, what can wash away my sins? And then it answers it quickly with nothing but the blood of Jesus. My good works are woefully short. Yours don't even come. We, we, we miss it by a mile. The only way that we can have our sins is forgiven is through faith in Jesus Christ. 
How many are here today and you say, Pastor, I need to receive that in my life. I need cleansing that comes from faith in Jesus Christ. I want to pray with you this morning. If that's where you are today, if that's you, would you just lift your hand right up and down? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you do a lot of different things. Thank you. Who else? Anyone else? If you're watching at home online, I encourage you, if that's you today, would you simply right now ask Jesus to forgive you and cleanse you? Repent of your sin. That means turn away from I'm going to abandon that lifestyle with the help of the Holy Spirit's power, and I'm going to walk in righteousness. Occasionally, all of us need to have cleansing having our feet washed because they get dirty in the world in which we live and sometimes we don't always handle everything right the Bible says if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness let me pray right now and I have one more question before we conclude Lord, I pray for all of those who have raised a hand or for those who right now are thinking about areas of their life that need your touch. I thank you, God, for your faithfulness. Because of the death of Christ on the cross, our sins can be forgiven and we can be cleansed, made like new. Lord, I thank you for your goodness and for your faithfulness to us. And I pray anyone today that needs that in their life, God, that you would let your spirit minister in their life right now, confirming to them the power of your forgiveness. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Second question, head still bowed for just a moment. How many of you will join me and you will say, I want God to help me this week to serve somebody inconspicuously it may it may be something as simple as opening a door it may be smiling at a person who needs that just that smile it may be something more tangible it may be a lot bigger but but how many of you say i want god to use me this week to serve somebody as his ambassador would you raise your hand real high all across the room lord use me lord use me would you stand together if you haven't done that serve card yet, you sure should do it now. Fill that out before you leave. You can do the QR code anytime, then it'll take you there. I want you to do this, if you would, with me. If you're able to, I want you to just lift your hands toward heaven as I pray right now. And in essence, we're, we're making a statement of volunteering to be used by God. Lord, I thank you that your plan is for all of us to be servants. To look for the needs of others and meet them. Lord, your word tells us that when we understand and do this, we will be blessed. Lord, I thank you that that blessing that is given there is a complete happiness something that is overwhelming and not connected to our circumstance, may we experience the happiness and the joy that comes from serving you by serving others. Lord, I pray you would help us to have impact in our community, in our church, and in our world. 
May we serve with the Spirit of Jesus, I pray. And it's in His name I pray. Amen.